From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Grossman talks to us about the differences between male and female athletes and how to use different techniques to motivate them. Setting the standard as a female coach in order to preserve opportunities for other female coaches and how to combat imposter syndrome as a professional. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Sparta Science. Sparta Science has been a part of the human performance community for over a decade. They started the idea of bringing the force plate analysis out of the lab and into the weight room. I've been following what they've been doing for a long time now, and their latest innovations is a must-have for both yours and my weight rooms. Sparta Science has been known for making the complex simple, making data easy to understand for the athletes and tactical operators so they can take ownership of their movement health. Sparta Science now offers more flexibility for coaches, including an expanded set of tests and full access to hundreds of metrics and time series data. Coaches have access to novel machine learning derived measures that can help uncover meaningful patterns unseen by the naked eye. Sparta Science makes precision training practical for any staff at any level while providing coaches and sports scientists with all the tools they need to continue pushing the envelope of human performance. For more information, visit spartascience.com slash chalk and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Join the thousands of coaches across the world that are part of Team Builder Nation. The incredible online strength and conditioning software provides a toolbox for features for all coaches at all levels. One awesome feature is the 1RM Max Tracker. Team Builder makes tracking maxes easy for any method since you can record and store max data, project 1RM over time, and use the stored maxes to determine prescribed weights for an exercise and have access to the visual reports so you can see the maxes over time. Other features include an updated messaging platform and the ability to create sports science questionnaires for athletes or clients to answer on their own phones. That's right, that's sports science data in the palm of your hand. Start your free 14-day trial today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, and begin programming with the software built to fit any level strength coach in any setting. Team Builder prides itself on putting the customer first and offers affordable pricing with subscription plans starting at just $50 a month. For more information on everything that Team Builder has to offer or schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert, visit teambuilder.com and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Tessa Grossman. She is currently the Associate Director of Strength and Conditioning at Middle Tennessee State University. She's also had stops with the Atlanta Falcons, Illinois State, 
Cincinnati Bengals, UC Berkeley, Los Angeles Rams, Mamba Sports Academy, and Dartmouth College. That is a lot of places you've been in, in, in with such a great experience. So welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Definitely. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at MTSU? Yeah. So my role right now is I'm our associate director. Uh, so I work with, I run women's basketball and then I assist with football. Um, those are my two roles. When I originally got here, I was Olympic only. Uh, so my roles kind of shifted. Uh, I used to be women's basketball, soccer and volleyball. So this is my first year working that basketball and football dual role together here. Um, but yeah, those are my main responsibilities as well as uh, helping get interns and kind of coordinating a lot of those aspects, especially in regards to like interns helping with the football side of things here. No, I definitely think that's says a little, a lot about what you've been able to do, especially, you know, starting out with just Olympic and then, you know, getting, I guess, recruited or asked, asked <laughs> to help out, you know, with the other sports. Um, how is it different amongst all your teams? I imagine what you do with the basketball team slightly different from your approach to how you coach football and then also in just about any other Olympic sport. I think there's all different. So how do you manage all that? Um, um so my background is like sports psychology. Um, and I'm a big believer that there's kind of in my experience so far, there seems to be a, the one main difference between coaching like a male athlete and a female athlete. Um, and that just comes to like confidence in the weight room. Yeah. I found that male athletes are like a lot more willing to try stuff and they're a lot more motivated by ego. Um, so you can use kind of some different techniques to motivate them and get them to maybe give you the output they're not giving you. Um, I found with my female athletes and especially like with my basketball athletes, like a lot of them come in and they aren't used to being in a weight room. Um, and maybe it's intimidating. Maybe they don't like it because they're not used to it. Um, I'm sure a lot of other college basketball coaches can can agree that they probably have had similar experiences with this. Um, so I find that a lot of times the female athletes, when they come in, they just don't like to fail at things and they don't like not being good at things. Um, so you need to create an environment where you show them that failing is okay, obviously in like a safe way. Mm -hmm. um, but you need to find a way to grow their confidence and show them that failing, failing is okay and even necessary, but at the same time, giving them those wins. So it's like a nice balance. Um, so I've had to find ways to create that environment for my girls so that we can create a longer term, more consistent work environment for the girls here. Or with the guys, like they come in probably almost too confident in some sure. of their weight abilities. Um, so that, was, I, that is what I would say would be like the biggest difference between coaching like my Olympic team versus working with football right now here. Definitely. And can you talk a little bit about... I mean, like you said, the males are motivated by ego and like just they got confidence through the roof. But what is it like to, I guess, navigate your way being a female and you got NFL experience. I mean, you got experience through the roof, but what is it like being a female and navigating the weight room with a, like a football team, like a predominantly male, you know, team, not only just um dynamics or culture but also like programming and like communicating with them i think for me 
So I've been interning and like working in football since I was basically after my freshman year of college. That's like when I did my first internship. And my first internship, I was with high school football players and high school baseball players. So I pretty much just kind of started out in that world. Um, So I think something that I've kind of realized, especially with like the last year being back in football after being out for a year, was that in my head, everything is normal. Like me being the only female in the room is normal to me. But to like a lot of the players and a lot of the coaches, I'm probably one of the first like female coaches they've worked with in this capacity. I may be the first female coach that all of these players have had. Um, so what's normal to me is not normal to them. And so sometimes I have to keep that in perspective when like growing relationships, um, especially if an athlete may seem a little standoffish. I can definitely say here though, like at MT, all the athletes and coaches have been like super welcoming and embracing. Um, it's been super easy to assimilate into their culture here. But I think in terms of like navigating it, you just have to be very aware of like how you present yourself at all times. Um, not in a way where like you're not being yourself, but you do have to find that you people are always watching you even more so than the male coaches. Um, and you need to be comfortable taking up space. It's very easy to get lost in a weight room when you have you know, 60 male athletes and four other male coaches and position coaches in to watch. Like, it's very easy to get lost. Like, you have to be able to kind of walk around with, like, the same confidence that the kids walk around with. Um, And you have to let them know, like, hey, I'm here. This is my, you know, this is my space. And we're going to work together on this. But I need you to understand, like, you're going to treat me with respect. Um, I think how you carry yourself has a lot to do with how the athletes are going to interact with you. And, like, creating relationships with them um and just like being aware of you know the language that you use how you present you just kind of have to be aware of everything um also because if you're working in football right now as a female like you have to be conscious of the fact that there's more females who want to come after you and so especially like if you're in a program where maybe you know you're the first one or two or three females working in a coaching capacity you're setting the standard for what the rest of these coaches are going to expect a female coach to be like. And like, it shouldn't have to be like female coaches and male coaches, but the reality of like where the field is at right now is like, there's still, you know, that's still a thing. Um, And that won't be a thing as we move forward, but you need to make sure that you are paving the way so that other females can come in after you and have just as good of an opportunity as you did. Like if you don't, if you don't like, take your role seriously and let's just say you don't do a good job or you don't present yourself professionally you know you may be squashing an opportunity for a female who's coming after you and you want you want these coaches you work with to want to continue to add female coaches to their staff Hmm. no i think that's that's really good advice and um you know like you said somebody's always watching and it's always good to make sure you're presenting the most professional version of you that you can you know, project out there for everybody to see. Now, how do you go about managing all those athletes? So you, I mean, you're like on very different spectrums of like athletic performance and team cultures and, you know, basketball is something, you know, pretty different than the entire football team being in there and or any other Olympic team that you may have. So how do you go about managing all the programming and how you get things done? Um, honestly, like, I think 
the hardest part is just having the emotional bandwidth to give as much as you can to both. The capacity that I work with women's basketball in is like, I travel with them to everything. You know, I'm at every practice, like I'm there for everything, but also we need to be there for everything for football. And the way things are scheduled here is a lot of times like football and basketball are both in the afternoon. Uh, so I'm running back and forth from warming them up at practice to coming back to helping with the one o'clock lift group to running back to, you know, make sure they know that they got lift after this. Um, so I just think the emotional capacity is probably the hardest part about managing both teams. Um, in regards to programming, that honestly isn't the hard part about managing the teams. Um, where my basketball girls are at versus, you know, my responsibilities for programming for the football side of things is very different. Uh, the football side, I think we have a whole staff. You know, our director has the final say. He's the one who, you know, takes a lead on programming. So our job is more like to offer, you know, what we're seeing in the weight room, offer the feedback. You know, he'll come in and he'll sit down with, and show us like, hey, this is the next block. Um, let's talk about it. What do y'all see? What do y'all like? You know, what do you think? Um, where with the women's basketball side, like I'm the main programmer. Um, however, my girls, like a lot of them, like I said, didn't have very high training ages. So it's really just starting with the basics and working on um, movement efficient efficiency. You know, I'm a big like range of motion person. Um, I think you get a lot of benefits from training full training through full range of motion. Um, and then just, yeah, I mean, programming honestly isn't the hardest part of it. Definitely the emotional and relationship balancing of it all. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your weightlifting to the next level? I'd like to introduce you to Barbell Mate. They are the most affordable velocity-based training device on the market. Barbell Mate provides real-time analytics and feedback and helps you lift more effectively and efficiently, providing stats such as range of motion, mean, and peak velocity. The personal app is available for Android and iOS and has no subscription fee. And at just $285 per device, it's the smart choice for anyone looking to improve their weightlifting performance. And as a special offer for Iron Game Chalk Talk listeners, they will offer $15 off your first purchase with code CHOCKTALK15. Again, save $15 off your first purchase using code CHOCKTALK15. But that's not all. The new Barbell Mate team app provides a complete management system to track and monitor the progress of multiple athletes. Choose from a variety of three packages to suit your team's needs, with prices starting as affordable as $25 per month. Visit barbellmate.com slash chalk talk to learn more and start your journey towards better weightlifting performance. And remember to use code chalk talk 15 for $15 off your first purchase. Again, take a look at them at less than $300 a unit. Barbell mate is definitely something you should look into for VBT training in your weight room. Like and I mentioned this slightly before when we talked to you. I think you might be one of the only coaches I've ever talked to that is an Ivy League educated um, coach. That's a strength and conditioning coach. So, can you talk a little bit about how is that different? Because it had it does say something. I mean, it, it, to be able to be say you're Ivy League educated, um, but you're a strength coach. So, like, what came first? Like, did you always want to be a strength coach, or did you? you know, go to the Ivy League and then somewhere along the lines, something switched over and you're like, I'm going to be a coach. 
Okay, so let me let me give you some context in the situation because it's actually insane the amount of times people go. So you have an Ivy League education, yeah. and you decide to become a strength coach, and I'm like, dude, we're not just meatheads. Like <laughs> yeah, we no actually doubt. have brains, and like we actually have to be able to like think yes. complexly here. Okay, um, but for context, my high school, my senior year of high school for softball, so I played softball in college. I played softball at Dartmouth for all four years, and um, in softball you don't get recruited from high school ball you get recruited from club ball so you just play high school ball because basically the colleges are playing and recruiting period is dead so like the club world basically ceases to exist during that time anyways so i ended up not playing my senior year of high school uh softball because i just didn't like the environment i didn't really feel like it was good for me and my growth um but my parents were like you need to do something else so i started training in a private facility and I was like, I fell in love with it. And like, I had a exposed to like training before that, but that was like the first time I really got to like train and train to like for my like athletic career in college. So I was like, this is amazing. I love this. Um, and the person that I was working with was basically like, you know, you could like do this as a career, right? And I was like, no way. And like, after that, I was like, all right, that's it. Like, I'm sold. This is it. Um, but when I was deciding on colleges, I basically was deciding between like, a D3 school and Dartmouth. And for me, it was like never about the division. It was always about the academics. Like I very much was aware that like, for me, softball would end after college. And I want to set myself back up like for a good future with a good degree. Um, so it basically came down to choosing between a D3 school where I could get an exercise science major and Dartmouth. Um, Dartmouth was my dream school in eighth grade. I decided that don't ask me how in eighth grade that I decided that Dartmouth was my dream school. I was a weird kid, but like for me growing up, like I was never the athletic kid. I was the smart kid. Um, and so I knew from eighth grade that I wanted to go to Dartmouth and somehow, some way all the stars aligned and I got my dream school offer, which how many people get to say that. So what offer was put on the table, it was just like, you know what? I can't pass this up. Um, I'm going to take it and I'm going to figure it out. So I basically knew that I was going into a degree. I was going to have to pick a degree that didn't fit the field necessarily that I wanted to go into. Um, I just decided that the Ivy League degree in the end was going to be more beneficial, um, which was a bold choice to make at 17. Kind of crazy. My parents let me make that choice. At 17. Um, so thank you, mom and dad, for uh, trusting my choice. But um, yeah, and then I just decided that I'm going to go to Dartmouth. I'm going to get my Ivy League degree. Um, it was a hard, it was a very hard academic four years for sure. And then I was just also going to work my work my ass off and do as much internship and get internships and get as much field experience as possible. So that way, by the time I got done with college, I would have my Ivy League degree and I would have, you know, three or four internships to the point where people can't say, like, you don't have an exercise science degree. And so that was kind of my thought process of like, how I was going to combat the lack of degree in the field I wanted to go to. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Um, what was like the self-talk or self-conversation? Because it's, I mean, very rare to see somebody that young. They're like, I'm going to be a strength coach. Like, this is awesome. I'll do it. But also somebody that young, make the decision you're going to go to Ivy league and go do a degree. That's not necessarily fully tied in. So like, how did you get And then also do a whole bunch of internships while you're studying uh, at a very difficult and very academic school. Like what was the self-talk? Like what drove you 
to continue to go through probably the most formidable years as a strength coach is yeah. like all the volunteering and no money. <laughs> and then also beyond be a student athlete at Ivy League school. Like what, what was your motivation or like, how did you get through that time? That's a tough question. I feel like I've always just been like a pretty intrinsically like motivated person. I'm really lucky that for some reason, I've just always known like, this is the path I want to go on. Um, I'm also the type of person that like, once I decide this is the path I'm going on, very rarely am I going to waver. Um, I mean, that's how I ended up at Dartmouth. Like the high school I went to was not a like high performing school. There was nothing about it. Like kids really didn't go Ivy League from that school much, but like yet somehow I found a way to get in. Um, so I've just like kind of, that's always just kind of been my personality. Um, you can even ask like my mom, like from when I was little, like <laughs> my mom always tells me that like I would cry all the time. And then once I learned how to crawl, it was like game over. And like, she's like every day you would like set crawling distances where you would crawl further and further. Like that's just like who I am at my core. Like I'm always trying to keep moving forward. Um, I don't really don't know how I balanced it. I do think about that sometimes. Like I think about like, if I had to go back and redo all of that, like I'm like, dude, that was so much work. Like when I was an uh, intern at Dartmouth, um, so the way Dartmouth works is you do your first two years and you have something um, called sophomore summer, which is where after you finish your sophomore year, your entire class stays on for the summer semester. And you basically start your junior year right away. Um, so during that semester, I was taking a full course load, training for softball and interning with the weight room. I don't know how we did all of that, but we did it. Um, and then basically you get to take an off semester in your junior year. So for softball, it, our off semester was um, junior fall. And that was basically kind of how I ended up interning with the Rams. Um, and so like not a typical, um, not a typical, what's the word I'm looking for? Opportunity that you would get like in the middle of your college years. But Dartmouth, Dartmouth drove you to like believe like, hey, we're setting you up to get a job the second you graduate. Like you walk in and Dartmouth's like, where's your resume? Where's your cover letter? Like, you don't have one. Like, let's get you one. Like by the end of the freshman year, like they're already like pushing you to do internships and take these job opportunities. Um, and so I think also being in that environment kind of kept me motivated. You're around all these people who are just like constantly doing these amazing things. Like there was kids who would be like working on cancer research and like taking four classes and, you know, they're pre-med and also studying for their like LSAT because they're going to do law and medicine by some amazing way. So like when you're around kids like that, um, it keeps you motivated because you just see everyone else around you working hard. And that's just like the environment. Like everyone's always pushing to do more. How can I fit more in the schedule? Um, and I would say to a certain degree, it's a, it's a little toxic at times. Um, but it definitely teaches you like how to stay on the path and stay, stay motivated. Um, but I also think the thing that people don't really realize a lot of the times when you go to these really like academic schools as an athlete, there's like a large, there's definitely a large like imposter syndrome that sets in on you. Um, you know, a lot of us were felt like mm. at various times that like, we were only there because we were an athlete like you know kids are like oh you wouldn't get in if you weren't an athlete um well we had kids who were really smart on my team and we had a girl who scored a 34 out of 36 on her act i mean like she would have been there athletics or not um but i also think yeah. that like imposter syndrome nice. that you feel when you get there drives you to like push for success and like push yourself in your field um because you 
want to show like, hey, I deserve to be here. Like I'm meant to be here. So that's a very long video. No, no, that that was that was perfect. And I I I had to ask because it takes it takes a lot just to be so driven at an academic school and being a strength coach. And you did both very at a very high level. Um, I mean, I guess my first question off of that would be, do you still get imposter syndrome the more into our yes, like profession? 1000%, if not more so now. Um, I've gotten a lot of really amazing opportunities really early in my career. Like this is only my second year as a full-time strength and conditioning coach. I'm 24 years old. Like, the amount of things I've gotten to do in my career so far is unreal. Um, and there's definitely a lot of times where I feel like I got it by luck or I got it by chance. Um, and, you know, it wasn't because I'm good at what I do or it wasn't due to like skill. And there's a lot of days where I have to like talk myself out of kind of that self-deprecating loop um, and remind myself like you have worked to get to where you've gotten so far. Um, but I also do think that's kind of part of it's part of like the self-talk that you kind of need to be a strength coach in a weird way, because you always do have to be checking yourself and you always have to be looking at your programs and look at how you're coaching and looking at your relationships and being like, how can I improve it? How can I take it up to that next step? Um, Cause there's so much to learn in this field, but at the same time, it's also really easy. I feel like to get complacent, but I do feel like you have to find that balance of like, okay, I'm checking myself to make sure that I'm not getting complacent and I'm always growing and striving to be better for my athletes and my coaches. Um, but not constantly putting yourself down or like belittling what you have achieved or the opportunities you have gotten based on, based on your work. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always been, made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. 
Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.